0: One, two. All right, that should oh it seems to be louder than when I first uh, when I did it earlier. All right, good to see everybody. You're ready to get a hold of some word of God today. Hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Let's let's open in prayer. Hallelujah. Father, we just want to worship you. We want to praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths of your word. Lord, we open our hearts to to hear from you today. We open our hearts to hear what your word is speaking to us. We thank you that your word is life. Your word is alive. Your word is powerful. And Lord God, I thank you that your word teaches us and and shows us the ways that we should be operating We also want to hear from your Spirit, and we ask for wisdom and revelation from the Spirit of God today. We ask that you will teach us and and stir us on things, and if necessary, adjust us and correct us, but also stir us, show us what we need to see, and help us to get a hold of this, Lord. So we just want to yield to you, and we open our hearts to you now as we look to the Word of God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're, we're going to continue today. On um, Book of Acts Christianity. Now, uh, this is the third of these weekends that I'm doing on Book of Acts Christianity. Though each time we do them, I, I endeavor to make it a you know kind of a teaching in itself for people. Who say you know you haven't seen the previous ones, you haven't been here. Yeah, that's not a problem. But at the same time, they're also freely available online if you want to go catch some of them up and see some of the content that we've we've uh, we've been through. But but I believe. I believe God gave us the book of Acts, not just to show us the history of the church and where the church started. Now, that's good, but you realize that the Bible is just a history book. God uses history. About a third of the Bible is history, but why does God include the history things in the Bible? He's always got a reason. It's not just or a historical account, yes, it gives us the historical account, but it's his word, and it's part of his word, and there's things that he, he, he's, he wants us to see out of what he's given us. Now, the, the book of Acts, obviously from a historical point of view, shows us how the church transitioned from, from off, obviously you've got the gospels, the ministry of Jesus, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, and then you've got the into the, the, the apostles and the birth of the church. But the book of Acts is also the only biblical, practical example we have of a functioning church. You know, yes, we've got doctrinal stuff in the epistles, and Paul talks about some of the doctrine of the the day-to-day life and functioning of the church in in Corinthians and Romans and the doctrinal side of it. But the actual this is what the church looks like, we only have one scriptural example, and that's the book of Acts. So we can't just historical side and then write off the examples. It's just where the church started. We've come a long way since then, and things have changed. Time things change from the word, the word. We've got a point. Was that change right? Should it have happened? Is there... Evolves and changes doesn't mean it should have, in terms of the things of God. Sometimes the changes, the evolving, are a man getting his answer to something that God had set up a particular way. Do you know that there's no indication in the Bible that we're supposed to have somehow moved off the teachings of Jesus into some new teaching? You know, the term is one another but really one who follows the teachings of another yeah. and if we're following someone else's teachings in a way that's different to what jesus taught if someone has adjusted what jesus taught then you're not really a disciple of jesus then you're a disciple of that other person yeah because to be a disciple of jesus you're gonna be following what he taught and if someone's what he taught then we're, we're not really actually following what he taught we're deviating off and it's the same thing with anything in the Word of God. And it's the same thing with the church. I think sometimes the changes and kind of the development in the evolving is not necessarily in line with the Word. And it's because man's influence has gotten into some things. And it can also be part of the explanation as to maybe why we don't see the same results they got. You realize if you want to get the same results they got, we need to do what they did. If we're doing something different, then it shouldn't we shouldn't be scratching our head puzzling why don't why are we not seeing the same things they saw? <laughs> why don't we see the manifestation of the power of God and the miraculous? You know, the Bible uh, talks the, the the power of God is the word we get the word dynamite from. But in it says, it doesn't just say dunamis and with power. There's a verse that says, with great power, apostles gave, gave witness to the resurrection. We'll look at that verse in a minute as well. And, uh, you know, I, some of you have heard me teach on the miraculous and the power of God. And, and I, I've spent a lot of time, uh, you know, over the last year teaching on the miraculous because I believe in this country, God, uh, you know, in, in the United Kingdom, we've seen the miraculous in years gone past. There, you go back in history. There's been amazing ministers, uh, revivalists, yes, but also the actual manifestation of, of the power, the tangible power of God and the miraculous. But we haven't seen as much of it in the last few decades as we should have done. And, and yes, we might be prophetic and other things like that. But in terms of the, the power of God and the manifestation of the power of God, I believe we need uh, that. God, I believe we need in the United Kingdom need to come to back to a place. Where, where, where these things are happening. At times, we sometimes, we're content with feeling the presence of God. And many of you have heard me say this before. I, I don't see in the book of Acts, say, you know, a, 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 on the Pentecost, and they all felt the presence of God. And they all went home with a big smile on their face and says, wasn't the presence of God wonderful in their place today? What I do see in Acts is a shaking building. An actual manifestation. You didn't have to say. I wonder if the power was present today. It was very obvious the power was present because things happened. A rush, wind went through the place. I hope you felt the power. It was very. Power was present. In terms of, in terms of, are we seeing the manifestation of the power of God like they saw next? I don't believe so. Now. Some people will say, oh, yes, but that's just because that's all God. God, it was for them only, not for us. And they, they misinterpret scriptures in, in 1 Corinthians 13 where Paul talked about certain things passing away, like, you know, tongues will pass away and stuff like that. Oh, yes, we've passed the time when those things are passed away. It's not That was just for the apostles. No, we haven't. And that scripture is misinterpreted. It's not, it's not uh, the way people present it is not actually quite accurate. And I have teaching available on that online. But we can make all the excuses we want. But at the end of the day, this is the only biblical scriptural example of the church that God's given us. If the church was to look different, God would have given us multiple examples. So it's not up to us to make excuses, it's not up to us justify why we don't have it. It's up to us to begin to look at what we got and look at the the church today. We should be able to put them on top of each other and see certain principles exactly the same. Amen? Last time, I preached a bit of a challenging message because we talked about the whole issue of unity, which is a popular subject these days. And But I preached about the fact, I took it from a different angle. Some people might not get offended. How can you preach on unity and yet offend people? Well, you know you can offend people anytime you preach the word, but um, gonna like the, thing, but I think people who have a heart for God will, because one of the things I said is yes, they were in one accord in the book of Acts, but they were also uncompromising on their standards. Their unity in one accord was not based upon a compromise with people who didn't agree with them, and a lot of times unity these days is compromising our stand. previous weeks and I'm not going to preach that message again you can go and listen to the recordings but some of the were bold with preaching the word now what I want to do today I want to look a little bit about the what their their message the content of actually what they preached we've talked about how they preached it they were uncompromising they were bold I want to look a little bit about some of what we are shown in acts about what they preached because I believe In some areas, there's been a little shift of emphasis in how we present some things today compared to how they presented some things then. And and, do you know that even a subtle shift of emphasis, we might mention the same truths, but if we're emphasizing a different one of them, it might be a good reason we're getting a different result. Now, book of Acts. So let's look at some things about what they preached. I want to look at some of the actual messages that they preached in the book of Acts. Now, I've already said they were bold. They were uncompromising in how they preached it. They didn't back down their stand. They didn't water down their stand just because a few people didn't agree with them. You don't you don't see Paul uh, running after the people who said, no, 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 you need to be legalistic and you also need to do the law of Moses. You didn't see Paul th- le- le- Let's see if we can find a little ground between our messages so we can all agree. Now he said, no, that's not the gospel. He rejected that. They didn't water it down. They didn't run around trying to please people and impress people. You either believed or you didn't. They're, 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 and it was strong in what they preached. They told them the truth unapologetically the way it is. And I believe, I strongly believe that those characteristics, that boldness and that unapologetic, uncompromising stand is part of why they express the manifestation of the power of God. Because the more water down, the more we please, impress people. We, we You can present truth, but water the in the way you present it in a way that's packaged to please everybody. God moves in an environment where we, the power of God, I don't believe that's how God tells us to be. I don't see, I don't see in, you know, when 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 Elijah was facing the prophets of Baal, I don't see where Elijah said, look guys, you know, if it offends you, I won't say it. Can you show me that scripture? <laughs> or, you know, if, if they're going to kill me because what I'm going to say, I better not say it. You know, they, they might ruffle some feathers. <laughs> They were they were not they were not ashamed to say what they said, even if it offended people and offend people right across the planet. Because the truth of God's word is the truth of God's word, whether man's like man, like, man likes it or not. Anyway, let's let's look at a, f- a few things about what they preached, and especially I want to talk a bit about the emphasis uh, in some areas, and and I, and I trust this is going to stir you up because I believe I believe some of these things for. Some who comes to the church? You've probably heard me preach some of these things before when I visited up here. Acts chapter two. This is really the the first message of the church, isn't it? Of, it, it the the day of we've talked about that mighty wind, the the power in that place. And in Acts 2, is the Holy Spirit was poured out. And um I've said this before as well, and I'm going to say it again. Sometimes good things are, 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 are worth re- um, repeating; they bear repetition. i said this a couple of times in the previous session. In, in the Book of Acts, the power overspilled outside of their buildings into the streets. We haven't even reached the stage where it's over. You know. The, the, the building down there, and the people in the living, the, the next block down, they're aware of the fact that a manifestation of the power is of do not I don't. I don't believe. I don't believe we should just be content with what we got when what we got doesn't quite measure up with what we see in the word. I believe a God who can split red seas. Now we can justify, we can make excuses, or we can begin to leave God to come up to the level, and also begin to trust God for wisdom and revelation, and say, Lord, show us why why we're not at that level. And again, we can make well, it's because God's just not doing it, or we can really look at things honestly and say maybe we're not walking in some things quite the same. Amen. Want to blame God? Go go ahead and blame God, but but that's not my approach. That should give you time to get. To. Let's look at the, the things we could. I'm in in hot up yet today, too. excuse me. I'm bringing going drinking a lot of water. No. Acts chapter two. So the Holy Spirit is poured out in a way that it overflows into the street. Tom Peter gets up to preach, and in, in verse fourteen, he's no longer just to the 120 in the upper room, is he? Within a matter of moments, the, the people have gathered to see what's happening. And he's got, he's got a big crowd. Really spontaneous, a spontaneous meeting in a sense. So he stands up with the 11, verse 14, Acts 2, 14. But Peter, standing up with the 11, raised his voice and said to them, now, he starts to preach. Now, I'm not going to pre- read the whole message. You can read it all in your own time. Well, uh, there's a couple of things I want to point out. First of all, and there's been a lot of teaching on this, and I've done teaching on this. He starts to talk about what's actually going on. It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit sp- spoken of by, uh, by Joel. And we've, in, in, the, in these sessions, we've done some teaching on the Holy Spirit and the Spirit upon over the last few months. And that's, wow! Well, I'll pour out my Spirit. That their, their, their church growth, their development in the Book of Acts wasn't just because of how good their marketing and their managing skills were, and how talented their musicians were, it was because the the Spirit of God was present. That's really that that. We heard that the phrase before: "Fake it till you make it." Okay. Sometimes people, we're trying to make up for our lack of the presence of God with other factors to try to make things happen. You know, sometimes it's a lot easier for people to go and do a business marketing course Impress people about this. They, 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 okay, I'm not against doing courses, but listen to me. Sometimes people find it a lot easier to go do a business marketing course and how to grow your church in three steps than they do to lie on their face before God and see the face of God until they're walking in his presence. It's a lot easier to go and, go and find out how, you know, how to do it all the natural way. you know I'm not, I'm not leaving your presence until the presence of God until I'm walking thing it's the kind of hunger hunger revivalist of, of, of days gone by had amen and we don't see as much of that this way it's a lot easier to go to go go let, let, let's lear, let's learn how to market better we'll, we'll, we'll send our whole church team uh, on a marketing course Again, if you really want to do that go ahead and do that but don't do that at the expense your whole church team to lie their faces before God and seek the face of God out of hunger. And and, and not just one day, two days, three days. We 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 get our church team saturated in God's presence. That's what will make the real difference. We don't see that as much. Amen. It's not that I didn't plan to say that, I just threw that in as an extra. But that's what made the difference was the presence of the Holy Spirit, not their people skills, their marketing skills, and and, and all those, and how good their leaflets were. Okay, it's nice to have good leaflets, it's nice to have good marketing, good to have good people skills, but sometimes your people skills might might come might conflict with your bold, uncompromising stand on the word. Okay. Anyway, I'm st- I'm still trying to get to his message here. So he preaches. For, uh, the 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 he says this is the prophecy of Joel. We're in Acts chapter 2. Those of you who've just come, good to see you. hope you had a good trip. And uh, after after that, after giving him an explanation of what's going on, um, verse 22, he begins to really get into his message because he's now going to preach at this crowd that's gathered. And he says, Men of Israel, hear these, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you, by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken, taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. So, so what's he basically giving them? He's, 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 he's going he's gonna to start talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, isn't he? This is his message and the focus of his message. It's what we might call, and maybe an, uh, we would kind of class it as more an evangelistic kind of message. Okay, you've verse 23 you have, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put to death. Notice how he says this you've crucified him. I've highlighted in my Bible, I've highlighted the you and then the have crucified. Okay, just hold that thought, and I'm going to come back to that and put to death. It's not about blame. He's not trying to just blame and be nasty. But notice what he says in the next verse, verse 24. Whom God raised up. Is in this passage, is he emphasizing God's plan to send Jesus to the cross or is he emphasizing God's role in raising him up? Okay. Now, as he goes through his message, he then begins to talk to them uh, about some things David said. Uh, verse twenty-seven: You will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your holy one to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You have made, you have, you will make me full of joy in your presence. And then he talks about, well, David's still dead, so he wasn't talking about himself. He was prophesying some things. Uh, verse thirty: Therefore, being a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would. Do what? Jesus to the Christ die. I, I, I want, just want you to notice this. God had sworn an oath to him that he would do what? Raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. Verse thirty-one. He foreseeing this spoke concerning the death of the Christ. No. What's what? What's he emphasizing? The death of Jesus or the resurrection of Jesus? What's this about? God raised Jesus from the dead. This is the first message preached in the church. Okay, that it, it's keep reading. That his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh she corruption. Verse thirty-two. This Jesus, God did what? Has raised up. How many times in the last few sentences has he mentioned Jesus being raised and the resurrection? We are all witnesses. Is he saying we're all witnesses that he he died on the cross? What were they witnesses of? Resurrection. The resurrection. Now, we know Jesus died. We know Jesus was raised from the dead. Very often, our emphasis, See, they're both true. died raised. But when you look in Acts and in the message, you'll find their message emphasizes the resurrection not the death. So it's, not a di- it's not a matter of us preaching a different message because we're still, in the sense, we're still preaching death, burial, and resurrection. It's a change of emphasis. emphasis. Now, let's. I'm going to come back to that because I want us to really grab a hold of this. Uh, he continues on, um, verse 33, 34, talks about some things about David again, 35, 36, um, 37. Now, remember he said to them, did he say God sent Jesus to the cross in this message? Yeah, okay, elsewhere you can say it was part of the plan of God, but in this message... He's preaching in Jerusalem to the people who crucified Jesus, isn't he? It's, it's not, a, oh, well, the Jews crucified him. It's just forget about Jew, Gentile, whatever. Just listen to this. He's preaching to the crowd that was present at the death of Jesus, whoever they were. It's not about which race, which, but he's talking to them And he emphasizes, you killed him, but God manifested and raised him up. Then he says this, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, actually verse thirty seven they they get cut to the heart and say, "What shall we do? verse thirty eight Peter says to them, "What? Of what? He has the question, repent of what? Is he telling them to repent of all this Is that what he's telling them to repent of? Who's he preaching to?" Look at the context of the mess. Don't lift this verse out and make it something it's not saying. Does he say repent of all your sins? He says repent. The word repent means change the way you think, change your heart, go from one direction to go to another. He's preaching to a group of people that have just rejected Jesus and crucified him. That's the action he points out you did. And then I say, What must we do? You need to have a change your heart and accept the one you just rejected. Do you see what I'm saying? A lot of people take this word repent in this passage and turn it into something that doesn't fit the context of his message. You tell me all the places in that message he told them how much they were sinners, except for the one thing he highlights about them: you rejected Christ, you crucified. But that's not my main message right now. What I you to see, what I want you to see primarily is his emphasis is the resurrection, not the death. And you will find this throughout the book of Acts. See, there has been in many places and in many instances a shift in our emphasis. Today we're looking at the message, what they preach, some of the contents of them, their sermons. And I also said to you this, that we, we, we can preach the same message, but we can place the emphasis differently. When, when 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 you know where in that message you just can, can just someone have a quick skim through this message now this is what i'm about to say is not a an error or a wrong truth when you hear it you'll understand what i'm saying in his message this is what he emphasized god loves you Did he did he did he talk about how in the mess in that message? Is it true that God loves us? Yeah. Yes. But he's talking to a unsafe of unsaved people, and what does he preach at them? Well, he mentions repentance once. What does he preach at them? The resurrection The people these days. God loved you, and that's why Jesus. For you, Jesus loves you, he died for you, he loves you so much, he died for you. Do you see the shift of emphasis? Is it wrong that God loves you? Oh, yes, God does love you. Is it wrong that Jesus died? No, we know Jesus did die for them, but when that becomes the emphasis, we have changed something from Acts. Now, if you just you're not convinced. That they preached love is important but in act they did not keep running around telling the world jesus died for you because he loved you can you find me that phrase anywhere in the book of acts i'm, I'm challenging people to think here i'm not saying that phrase is wrong but is is that what they kept presenting it to? See. Did not tell us that in order to be saved you must believe in an act of love. God told us that in order to be saved you believe in a manifestation of the real power, a resurrection. It's a lot easier, people, you're loved, than to people with a thing they've either got a good, you know. Oh, that's nice, he loved me. I'll I'll be down out fishing on Sunday morning. Sorry, I can't come to church. But it's nice knowing he loved me. (laughs) You don't really have to make much of a choice over that, do you? Oh, that's nice, God loves me. But when you tell someone was raised from the dead, now they have a real decision to make as to whether they believe that event happened or not. (laughs) That manifestation. Of real power that you're putting in now it's one thing for us to, ch- to talk about it in church how much do we talk about the resurrection to the unsaved people say what well, you know no no, no I like the way we do it we i like people god loves them and that he died jesus died for them yeah and how many altars are you seeing filled up with that message we've been preaching that for decades how full are our altars with the unsaved? I'm challenging you to think here. Am I, am I just making this up? Hey, you can see some people who will turn to God with that message. Some people will, but I believe you'll get a trickle of people. Preach in Acts the resurrection. That's where their emphasis was. They, they mentioned the death. I'm not saying they, they were telling people God didn't love them. He certainly did love them. Let's, let's look at some more things, just in case you know. A study, a study of the early church and a study of the book of Acts will very quickly show you that they placed prominence, they placed priority on the message of the resurrection. They didn't preach. In fact, these days, these days on the earth, you will notice a very big difference between of Jesus and churches that are focused on the resurrection of Jesus. Churches that are always focused on the death of Jesus produce a very depressive, death focused, suffering focused Christianity. People that focus on the resurrection produce glorious, life filled Christianity. The emphasis is important. I'm, so, I'm not saying don't mention the death. Of course we do. It's part of what happened. But where was the release of power? Was there a release of the power of God in the death of Jesus? In the death of Jesus? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm distinguishing between death and resurrection. so used to referring to one as if we're referring to all of well, in our mind, Jesus died for you. We've just told them the whole gospel message. Now you, you haven't even mentioned his resurrection yet. <laughs> okay, we really need to. We, we need to challenge ourselves as to what message we are supposed to actually be preaching for a start to to the to the unsaved. And second of all, how should it be emphasised in our church? We should have a in Christianity. So, for a God, He can raise. He can really do this. Raising the dead is throughout scriptures. Can God do that? Can God take the Shunammite's woman's son, bring him back to life? Yes, he can. Okay? Jesus, obviously, others in the Bible. Death is not more powerful than my God. When you begin to preach resurrection, you begin to preach the greatness of God. You begin to lift up who He is and what He's capable of doing. Even death is difficult. The one thing human beings, we might have conquered everything else, but human beings are still trying to conquer death. You see every you hear all these billionaires that are freezing, you know, freezing themselves when they die because they die forever. They're, 500 years when human humanity figures out how to make us live longer, they uh, unfree- unfreeze me. <laughs> They're desperate, aren't they, to try to figure out a way to beat death? And that's that's at the core of most human beings. We, how many of you know we don't want to die? We fight one death. Something inside of us doesn't. die. And here, with a message on front, of people with a reality of resurrection. A Ha- not hand beat, already hand beaten. And if he can beat death, what can't he beat? Nothing. But I personally believe uh, we don't we don't hear the resurrection preached enough. We don't hear it emphasized enough. This is an area we have shifted from how they did it in Acts. How many of you think we shift back? How many of you think, like I said, we're looking at the book of Acts, we should begin to look at this and say, well, hold on a second. Let's get the shift back. Now, if it is true, if it is true, I said a moment ago, if you're always preaching the death of Jesus, you produce a very defeated mentality the church and a suffering orientated death focused church it is true that when you really preach the resurrection you actually you you produce a very different environment in the church then you end up with very death defeated focused which one do you think we are who do you think might have been behind the motivation of that shift of Focus on the message without us actually realising we've changed the message because we still think we preach the message, but we have the focus. To ten, you don't have to turn there. When he talks about, you know, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, and he says, but he says, with your mouth, what does he talk about? The mouth. With your mouth confess Jesus his Lord, and with your heart, do what? Jesus he loved you. If anyone, want, if anyone wants to receive, believe. Uh, he says this: you you have to believe the resurrection. Does, does everyone? Do you all know that verse? The, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Now think about this for a moment. He's telling us what we should believe if we want to be saved. Now, how does faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word? So, in order to get faith, let's say if I want to build my faith in the I'll pick this one, that God loves me, what do I need to hear? Do I need to go and study about where the dinosaurs come from in the Bible? Is that going to build my faith in the area of God loves me? No. If I I want to have great confidence in my own life, the love of God for me, then what do I need to spend time in the Word on? If I'm facing sickness and I, I want to build my faith in the area of, to go and read you know, re- the, the rebukes to the seven churches in Revelation? I'm just pulling something out randomly. Is that going to build my faith for the area of healing? Well, only if there's some healing stuff in there. <laughs> What's going to build your faith for healing? Didn't Paul say in the same passage in Romans, how can they believe unless they? How Will they hear unless there is a preacher? So, in order for people to gotta hear, and there has to be someone preaching it. But now, what do they need to believe? God raised Jesus from the. Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Is t- now, all, okay, Please don't tell me. I'm just challenging us. I'm not saying it's wrong to tell people God loves them. That's part of the message, but if I tell someone God loves you, is that going to build in them faith that God raised Jesus from the dead? No, that's going to build in them faith that God loves them. Is that the Bible to believe God loves them will be saved? Is that a good? Is is love a valid Bible truth? Yes. But is that the message that's going to build into them what they need to get saved? No. Now, it might help them along the way. I don't have a problem. But that's not what's, the, the, what's actually going to build the faith in them. Now, is telling people, died for you, going to build faith in them that God raised Him from the dead? No, it's going to build faith in them that that Jesus died for them. You, You build faith in what you hear. How will they believe unless they hear? Hear unless it's being preached. So how will people believe God raised Jesus from the dead? They've got to hear God raised Jesus from the dead. How are they going to hear God raised Jesus from the dead, if we are not preaching God raised Jesus from the dead, if in our presentation of the gospel, our emphasis shifts, and what we're presenting is constantly the death of Jesus, how can we expect anyone to have faith for salvation? And that's why we don't have the crowds in front of the pulpits. Yes, I know people's hearts have got to be open, and you need the Holy Spirit to convey. You know that we want to. We should be preaching with the anointing. I, I've covered that, but you see, you see the real manifestation of the power of God when they were willing to present them with a, with, with a real truth conf- that actually confronted a choice in people. who believe this. You can, you can sit in a chair, an unsaved person can smile at you, oh, that's nice, God loves me, oh, I'm so glad God loves me, and walk out the door and not receive Jesus. Okay? But death is defeatable. I serve a God who can beat death. The whole of Christianity is built on a foundational truth of resurrection power. And we also know there's coming a, a resurrection for all of us. <laughs> okay. But a few other verses. Do you know that in, in, in Acts, they hardly preached a message without mentioning the resurrection. If you go through Acts and you just look through every message they preached and just look for where they refer to the resurrection, you'll just find it's everywhere. It's everywhere. They're constantly mentioning it. They're constantly putting it in front of people. We, some churches, we can go six months without hardly mentioning a Resurrection in a message. Do you see the shift of emphasis? Book of Acts Christianity, we've got to get the emphasis where they got it. Paul mentions the resurrection in almost every one of his epistles. The only ones he doesn't are some of his pastoral epistles, because he's teaching ministers about some practical things. Okay, but he, he's all over It's ripe throughout his throughout his uh, throughout his messages. Let's look at some other things. Go to Acts three. That was Acts two. Acts chapter 3, the lame man. This is the lame man. Remember at the gate, beautiful, Peter, Peter and John go and silver and gold, that I have are none. Do you realize that after that lame man is healed, there's, he had an opportunity to preach. And if from verse 11, Acts chapter 3, verse 11, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So that the manifestation of the power of God drew people in. But was the miracle enough to get them saved? No, they had to hear the preaching. It got their attention and drew them in. But then Peter began to preach, and verse 12, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why do you look so intently as, at us, as though by our own power of godliness we'd made this man walk? The God of our, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified His servant Jesus. Notice this, whom you delivered up. Do you see what He's saying? He's not saying God. God sent Jesus to the cross. Not in this message again. It's interesting. He's still talking to a group of people who are involved in Jerusalem at the at the, at the in the crucifixion. like I said, it's not about race, Jews, everything like that. But he's talking to the people that were present when Jesus was dying, was killed you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he he was determined to let him go. Verse 14, but you, (laughs) you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life. But God, sorry, whom God raised from the dead. Does he just dwell on the fact that Jesus died? Well, all of Jerusalem knew Jesus had died. That wasn't news to them. i have had you know I remember growing up, I'm sure we all remember growing up, but I'm thinking of something specific. <laughs> I remember when I was growing up <laughs> that someone had um I was talking to someone about the death of about the cross I was witnessing to a friend at school and and i was I was saying to them about how you know Jesus died for you I was doing what will we, what will because some of this I didn't know as much quite then to say it like and i remember to say to me things like this. They'd say, well, what's so great about the death of Jesus? You know, lots of people have been crucified. Lots of people have been died. And I used to, you know, I used to try to explain, because anybody bore, bore your sins, whatever. Now, I'll tell you what's different about the death of Jesus. The others all stayed in their graves. That's what's different about the death of Jesus. That's what they, in the world, when you just talk about Jesus died, that's what they think, oh, that's nice, you know. Oh, yeah, oh Jesus loves me. He died for me. Yeah, that was like my great, 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 grand, grand granddaddy. He died for my great, great, great grandmommy because, you know, he loved me so much he jumped in front of a car and, and pushed her out the way. The act of love. Lots of humans have loved like that. Romeo did it for Juliet. I don't know, was it, you know. His love stories all over the place, like love stories, like oh, it, oh, it touches my heart. And I know about a dog who, who was attacked, and the dog loved his owner so much that the owner, you know, the dog jumped to the owner's defense. What a great story of love! Should we all go get coffee at the pub? Because that doesn't change their lives. They've lots of stories about people who loved and loved and loved and did nice things for someone. The power of our message is in the resurrection. And that's the part of it the enemy wants to keep silencing or not to get us to even mention. That's it that con- people with a real choice do actually believe that. Because anyone can believe, oh, yes, because, you know, Jesus loved me just like my dog loves me. My dog would rise to my defense if if my life was threatened because he loves me. (laughs) But that's not a life-impacting message, is it? That's just a nice thing to know. (laughs) You could still walk out the door and continue on your life completely unchanged just having heard Jesus loves you. It's nice to know you loved it. it, can comfort your heart, make you feel better about yourself. Someone loves me, that's really nice. Uh, to a degree, I'm mocking, but but I'm mocking for emphasis sake. That is not the life changing gospel that's to preach. That's not what they didn't emphasize that in act when you look at it. Go, go through message after message and find out how many of them they kept telling the, the crowd, God loves you. <laughs> I'm fine if you really want to tell people God loves them, tell them. I don't have a problem with that. But do that as a replacement for telling them God raised Jesus from the dead. Because that is the actual part of the message that matters. So even in Acts 3, mentions the resurrection again. We just read it. verse 15. God raised from the dead. Now, Now I want to point this out again. I did this a moment ago. So, verse 16, 17, 18, he continues talking to these people. Verse 19, he then says again, repent. Here's my question. Of what? You can't just lift this verse out of the context of the message. Is he telling them to repent of some sin they committed, you know, when they were five? It's the second message and the second one he said repentant, but it's the second crowd of people he's preaching at where he said, you rejected the Christ. That's what he told them they did wrong. That's what they needed to repent of in Acts 2 and in Acts 3. Uh, That's going to seriously offend some people, what I just said. But the context of the message, he doesn't preach at them a load of sins. He preaches them, you rejected him, you crucified him, now repent of that. I'm adding the of that. God raised him from the dead. God put a stamp of approval on him. Think about it. If you disagree with me, think about it. Look at the context of the message. Don't just pull that word out and make it more than what he's preaching on. <laughs> I'm not saying that's where in the Bible, repent means that. You've got to look at it in each context. There's other places where there may be the people that have to repent of something else. But in these two messages, that word repent is referring to the context of what he's preaching. So I'm not saying in every case it, rep- it might refer to that. You don't go and study every case. I'm saying in these two passages, when he told them to repent, he's preaching to the people that have just crucified Jesus. And he emphasizes you rejected him, you crucified him. So you need a change of thinking and a change of heart in your attitude toward the Christ. You've got to now receive the one you just crucified. it's going to take a bit of a change of heart, isn't it? The very one you reject is the very one I'm now telling you, you need to receive. But let me tell you something else. That same Jesus crucified, God raised him from the dead. There's a manifestation of power. God's hand was upon him. And what was going on then? God's power showed up. Resurrection happened. Now, now, uh, that was Acts 3. The same... Accounts of the lame man being healed and all of the events that surrounded it go through Acts three and into Acts four. So let's go to Acts four. What, what, what am I trying to what, what am I trying to emphasize today? The resurrection of Jesus, but also the fact that our emphasis of shifted. Of Acts Christianity, we need to shift the emphasis back where they, where they put the emphasis. If we want the kind of results, and we want to walk in the kind of Christianity they walked in. But you know what? Here's the thing. And a moment ago I said it's a lot easier to tell someone God loves them than it is to tell them God raised Jesus from the dead. Okay, It's easier. It's easier to make a comfortably packaged message. God loves you. Jesus died for you. See, he, The fact that he died for you shows you how much he loved you. There's no salvation in that there's nothing that there's no no challenge to them in that real message of the gospel is a challenge on people they actually have to believe in a real manifestation of the power of god but not only that it it was offensive to people to preach the resurrection in this time i'm going to show you this the, 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 for for example, the Sadducees—they didn't even believe there was such a thing as the resurrection. They got highly offended at Paul for preaching that, and the and the, and the, and the, and the, and the, and the whole church. See, when when you confront people with a with 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 a with a message of reality of power, actually it does offend some people. It's a lot easier to believe in a philosophical concept, which is what is behind a lot of relig- religious ideas for a lot of people. I'm not pointing fingers at anything specific, but but that is, this, this is why even within Christianity, we got Paul, Paul talked about people who have a form of godliness but deny the power. These are the ones that say, oh, well, it's all passed away. It all happened a long time. It doesn't happen today. All we have today is we just sit together in nice little cozy groups where we debate philosophies and beliefs. But don't confront me with and confront me with manifest God showing up. What does God actually want us to believe? He wants us to believe in a God who does actually show up, just while the message is a message of 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 a real manifestation of power, something actual happened. So let's just read this bit, uh, and we'll, we'll close for a break in a minute. So we read Acts three, going into Acts four, Acts chapter four, verse one. Now as they spoke to the people. The priests, the captain of the temple, and and the Sadducees came upon them being greatly disturbed. Did it bother them a little bit? (laughs) Greatly disturbed. This is not just a little bit of bother, is it? No, who's coming? Who are these people? It says the priests, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees. This is some of the leadership of of the community. Yeah. They don't like what's being preached. Now, what was it that bothered them? Let's keep reading. Verse 2. Being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. That is what was bothering them. That is what they found effective. Do you see again Acts is pointing out that is what mattered? And then they laid hands on them and took them into custody. You know, if Paul, if Paul oh sorry, Paul's not present here, but you know, Peter and and and, and oh my, I don't know, maybe Paul was present, in some prison. Well, he's a Pharisee, isn't it? But yeah, just having a thought to myself there. <laughs> 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 but um Peter and and, and, and and then I forgot what I was gonna say. Peter Peter and them, if if they'd kind of just toned their message down and preached another philosophy like all the Greek philosophies and a lifestyle change and big do, it wouldn't have offended anybody. But that aspect of it created offense. See. Even in that in Roman society, maybe maybe not in Jew, Jewish society at the time, but in, they're in the Roman Empire. In the Rome, wider Roman Empire, the Romans were actually relatively tolerant of different religions. They, they relatively accepted in and took aboard them all the different religions of all the places they conquered. They found one religion that really bothered them. Christianity. And they could not accept it in the way they say they accepted the other ones. Why? It's Because it wasn't just a philosophy like all the other ones. There was something real confrontational about it, and a big part of it is found in this truth. Now, So that was uh, verse 2. Let's keep going. I'm going to close on this. Uh, still in Acts chapter 4, but verse 32. And thirty-three. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that that any of the things uh, he possessed was his own, but they all, but they all, but they had all things in common. A little bit like I said last time, we talked about the one heart, one soul, one accord. Verse thirty-three, and I quoted this earlier. And with great power—that's mega dunamis. You know what? We talk about grace. You'll also find in the book of Acts, it says great grace was upon them. they got great power, great grace. I wouldn't mind some of that. Well, why did they step into such a high level? Well, what I'm talking to you about is part of it, I believe. They didn't preach a death religion. They didn't preach a death Christianity. With great power... The apostles gave witness to what? <laughs> the resurrection. Were they called to witness? You know, Jesus' twelve disciples, how many did they did they witness Jesus being crucified? Well, they did. A lot of them were present when Jesus was crucified. But were they called to be witnesses of the death of Jesus? you didn't need you didn't need 12 apostles to be witnesses of the death of Jesus you had the whole of Jerusalem which were witnesses of the death of Jesus okay what what was what mattered and why Jesus after he was raised from the dead appeared to specific people it's because they were they were now witnesses he's raised They were witnesses of the resurrection. Why? Because it's the resurrection that actually mattered. We say Jesus died for my sins. Do you know that if he wasn't raised from the dead, you'd still be in your sins? I'll look at that scripture. Paul says it. Paul says that statement directly you're still in your sins if, if there's no resurrection. He died to redeem me. Yeah? You wouldn't, you wouldn't have been redeemed if there was no resurrection afterwards to be brought all the way through. The death was not where the release of power was. The death was necessary to reach the point where the release of power was. But the victory of the whole situation is where Jesus conquered the grave. And that is what we should emphasize. Amen? Now, I hope that stirs something in you. We'll, I'll probably I'll talk more about it in, in, in my next sessions as well. But I think let's, we're going to have a break, have some coffee, have a little 15 minutes, and we'll come back. Is that all right? Yes, Amen. Amen.